America's frontline doctors, aka AFLDS, is a non-partisan, not-for-profit organization focused on providing Americans with science-based facts about COVID-19 and fighting the politicization of medicine and media censorship. AFLDS founder Simone Gold, MD, is a board-certified emergency physician and author of the best-selling book, I Do Not Consent, My Fight Against Medical Council Culture. America's frontline doctors recently filed a lawsuit in federal court seeking a temporary restraining order against the use of COVID-19 vaccines in children. The case would challenge the Emergency Use Authorization Act on several counts and holds that numerous laws have been broken in the process of granting emergency use authorizations. And further cases are planned. Deanna DePauli is an attorney with the AFLDS Attorney Alliance. Deanna, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me today, Mike. What's the current situation with, uh, with COVID and the, uh, the, the fear campaign? Well, Mike, it actually depends on where you are. Each state is a little bit different in its opening phase, in its, in its lockdown phase. I'm fortunate to be here in Florida, where we have been open for a lot longer than most of the states. We have a number of states that are catching up, and we have a number of states that are still in very restricted lockdown situation. So it's it's a bit of a mix, really. America's frontline doctors recently filed a lawsuit in federal court seeking a temporary restraining order against the use of COVID-19 vaccine in children. You're also saying that numerous laws have been broken in the process of granting emergency use authorizations. Now, considering that you're punching the bear in the nose, and the bear being big pharma, big tech, big government, how confident are you? Well, we have done a comprehensive pleading, which is available on our website, and I would encourage everyone to take a look at it because it is legalese that contains all of our argument, evidence, and allegations that has been made accessible for the average person. So we have laid out in tremendous detail each of the grounds of that we are challenging the the temporary on the basis on which we have issued the temporary or we are seeking the temporary um, restraining order. The number of tests have to do with the the issuance of the emergency use authorization in the first place. We believe that the circumstances did not warrant the issuance of any of the emergency use authorization because there was no true emergency for which existing and and effective medication or treatments were not already available. So on that basis alone, I believe we have strong grounds to to challenge, as you say, punch the bear in the face. That bear's got a lot behind it. I mean, you're, um, I mean, sure, the uh, AFLDS is a honourable and a very progressive and uh, active organisation, is what I'm trying to say. But the bear is really big. Uh, they can delay. They can do whatever they like to to you, basically up to an, up to a point, of course. Uh, what about the timelines? Can they just put it off and push it off and push it off? So that at the end, it becomes just a, uh, it was a good thought. Well, of course, we are always subject to the court process and, and the schedule of the court. Nevertheless, we intend to, to press forward. This is an urgent matter. And the reason that our first case has to do with the children is because 
we, we take issue and exception with the emergency use authorization generally, but particularly as it relates to young children, because number one, the risk level that they face from COVID-19, a fatality from COVID-19 is effectively zero, statistically zero. So to, to force an experimental investigation agent upon children where when we do not have the long-term effects we, there are so many unknowns upon children who are at effectively zero risk for fatality from this disease is, is a ridiculous uh, proposition, and yet they are moving forward. And we have to be particularly sensitive and cautious around children because their bodies are still developing. They are not simply mini adults. There are many other medical factors at play in their growth and development, and we don't know what the effects of these experimental investigation agents are on children. So that's why we filed with urgency um, the temporary restraining order to prevent the FDA from including children in the experimental phase, children ages 12 to 15, in the experimental vaccine investigation. We uh, had a a conversation with Dr. Mark McDonald in uh, LA uh, the other day talking about the, the pressure, the peer pressure and the pressure at school and at work for people to take this vaccine, as you said, it's, uh, we don't know the medium or long term. And really, we don't really know the short term because a couple of weeks isn't that short. I mean, you need to look at it over a year. Um, this, this pressure and then along with government pressure and advertising and, and uh, I mean, it's a really hard call not to take the vaccine right now because all we hear on one side is you must take the vaccine. And on the other side, we don't hear much because of the censorship and the shutdown of, uh, of free speech. Um, have you ever seen anything like this before in your career? And, and being a, a lawyer that uh, really specializes in litigation, you would have seen some pretty interesting and some pretty curly things in your time. But surely this must take the cake, as we would say. It most certainly does. There, there are certain fundamental principles of law, consent being one of them. An age of consent is, is a widely long-established principle. Under no circumstances and under no legal standard does a 12-year-old meet the standard for consent. We prevent children of that age from smoking cigarettes, from having a sip of alcohol, from driving motor vehicles, and suddenly there are some municipalities here in the U.S. and some states where they are allowing children age 12 to have the vaccine, not just without the consent of their parents, but without the parents' knowledge. So what we are facing here is a crisis. It's a legal crisis, both in terms of government intrusion into the lives of children, effectively pushing aside the parents, and an intrusion into the medical um, well-being of of the children, of which we simply do not know. There there is no 12-year-old that has the capacity to understand all of the risk factors that have to be evaluated to meet the standard of informed consent. So all of the governments that are pushing this under the pretext of an emergency when when the statistics show that the children have very low occurrence of of covid and if they do their recovery rate is nearly 
Most citizens are not well informed about COVID-19 vaccines or the validity of government mandates. Because, I mean, in Australia, and I would imagine it's just about everywhere, they get a bit of paper. They say, yeah, that's okay. Sign it, not worried about it because they have in the back of the mind how safe it is and the government wouldn't really hurt them. So the information bit really isn't there. And even if they do read it, they're not going to see a whole lot on how dangerous or how uncertain uh, the vaccines are. Can governments be called to account for misleading then its citizens on critical issues of public health? Not only can they, they must be held to account. Mm. And for that, we are invoking the court process. The court process is where we, we, we write up pleadings, we introduce our evidence, we make our allegations, and the government is, refor- is forced to respond in court with its evidence. Their evidence is tested. Right now, all of the lockdowns around the world are based on a three-legged set of lies. The first one being the infectiousness of the COVID virus. The second one being the PCR tests. Everyone, every expert has agreed that any test over a cycle threshold of 35 is not valuable. It it doesn't present any useful information because of the the high rate of, of false positives. And the third one has to do with the COVID death numbers. So many of the COVID death numbers have been misattributed to COVID when the vast majority of deaths have been COVID with a minimum of four other comorbidity factors. So all of this, governments and and agencies around the world have relied upon these three lies to continue to extend restrictions and increase the restrictions. So it's our intention that going to court where we will be calling in the government to respond, to, to justify, to explain the data on which it has based its, its orders and mandates, they will be required to prove that in a court of law. There are rules of evidence and procedure that will be in place as that evidence is evaluated. And we will see which evidence stands up to scrutiny and which evidence cannot. Boris Johnson, uh, British Prime Minister, the worst hairstyle ever, uh, in fact, he looks a bit like Johnny Rotten from the, I think, Sex Pistols. But anyway, and probably has as much talent in politics as Johnny Rotten does also. He actually said that the uh, he would like to see, um, by end of 2022, everybody vaccinated in the world. And he's going to push it with, uh, with, the, uh, with the, uh, the G7 mafia. It's a pretty scary uh, thought, isn't it, that they are using all their might to make you do something that they're not sure of the end result or part two of the question, are they sure of that end result and they're not telling us? Well, as to part two of the question, we don't know. That That is certainly speculation. Mm, mm. But part one, part one of the question, the basis of all of our freedoms is bodily sovereignty. If we do not have the ability to make decisions in respect of our own health and well-being, then all other freedoms and rights that rest on top of that become irrelevant. So this is a fight. This is the most important fight that we are in because our freedom has been seriously eroded and the justification or the evidence used to justify that is proving to be false. 
disinformation, yeah. misleading. And so it is up to all of us now to stand up, to stand up strongly and to push back. And we have to reclaim bodily sovereignty. It's really interesting. I mean, uh, our grandparents and our parents and their grandparents you know, fought, lost their lives to uh, make sure that we have this freedom. And it's just been trashed. Uh, I mean, I've, I've not seen a, a turnaround of and, and normally I'm a pretty, you know, relaxed sort of you know, guy. I just go along with it, you know, with the flow. And there are just things that just jump out at you, and you think, "What the hell's happening here?" Do you, do you see for do you like see governments digging in, or maybe imposing more mandates or restrictions on liberty for some time? Or are you hopeful the actions we have seen will hopefully recede? Well, I think the evidence shows that the more governments have been able to establish and dig in, the further they will go. Mm. So it is absolutely imperative for all of us to stand up. And with that said, I am hopeful because we're meeting with, we are connecting with warriors who are prepared. Our our parents and grandparents, they fought a different kind of war. They were in the trenches. They were on foreign soil. We're not on foreign soil. But make no mistake, this is our war. We are all involved now and we are all activated into service because it is our health and our freedom that is at stake. That said, we have a blueprint. We have combined the the efforts of the doctors who want to get out accurate, independent medical information with the attorneys, the ones who are versed in the law and legal procedure. And with that, we want to work with the citizens. It's not the doctors or the lawyers that are going to save it. It is all of us together. So we, we have to stand. We have to push back with legal process at every level. At America's Frontline Doctors, we are, we are engaged in a multi-pronged approach. We're taking on strategic litigation of big, big complex cases with national and, and federal actors and government bodies. But we also have an attorney alliance where we are bringing on board attorneys who are willing to fight for individual plaintiffs. We have so many plaintiffs that contact us every day who want assistance in going and challenging the school board, challenging their local city commission, challenging a business or their employer that is purporting to require them to take the experimental vaccination. We have to fight this war on all different legal fronts. And we're also putting together, and we have put together, resources for every individual to become a strong advocate for themselves. And so all of this together is our way of holding the government to account, of pushing back, and this is our way of engaging in this war, which has claimed our freedoms. We are now in the position where we have to reclaim the freedoms that have been eroded and taken from us. The fear thing. I mean, look at the uh, the uh, blue states in um, in in the in the U.S. Um, you know, you get your vaccine, otherwise you'll fall off the perch. It's all a bit all a bit over over um, exaggerated, and uh, the fear part though is really working, isn't it? The fear part is certainly working, and and part of that has to do with the censorship that mm. has occurred. You know, a lot of this could be answered by hearing from the medical experts, the scientists who could speak to the, the, the falsity of some of these dramatic statements being made in, in all of these active campaigns. 
first of all, my understanding is that the, the variants are one to 2% different from the COVID-19 one. And, and so that is, that is not a significant difference in terms of efficacy of treatment. But, but that aside, because my lane is the legal lane, we have to allow discourse in the medical and scientific communities to come to the forefront and play. So many of our medical and scientific voices have been silenced. And if we do not have accurate information, which is what America's Frontline Doctors is committed to, providing independent, accurate information for Americans and for people around the world, because our information is accessible to everyone. We have comprehensive medical information about the experimental nature of the vaccines, about effective corona COVID treatments right now. And post, um, if, if you have experienced about of the COVID-19 virus, post-virus um, treatments that, that you can do for yourself. But all of that is accessible because we've, we've put it onto our website. We want to get it into the hands of the people so that they can review the, the medical and scientific information that is there and they can compare it to what is, is being put out by the media and make the decision in conjunction with their own medical provider for what is best for them. But the fear is only going to be combated with information. Mm. The, 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 the disinformation and misinformation can only be responded to with information. And when people have knowledge, then they feel empowered. Mm. Then they can make a decision. But when we are in a state of fear, we are reacting. We're not, we're not responding to a crisis. And there are options. What we want people to understand is that there are treatment options, effective treatment options available. And we want people to understand, first of all, the true nature of this virus the true extent of the pandemic and the true risk that each person has. And, and, and the facts are that the risk is so much lower than what they are painting it to be. And if that risk is lower, then, then the fear will, will subside around it. But there, there are treatment options, the risk is lower, and, and the fact is most people of all age groups will recover if they have the coronavirus. The other thing, too, is uh, speaking to uh, Dr. Dr. Mark Hobart in, uh, in Melbourne, in fact, and uh, he was saying that at an aged facility, he decided to uh, check the, uh, the antibodies in, uh, in the patients that were scheduled to have a uh, first round of the vaccine. And uh, half of those had the antibodies anyway, so they were fine. And if they got the jab, it could have also created... A, um, some complications with their health. So, you know, the, the one-size-fits-all thing doesn't work. It never has worked in medicine, but, it, you know, of course, all the rules of medicine and science have been thrown out for the sake of um, the bottom line, as we would say. Look, do you think success with your cases will have a bearing on situations maybe in other countries such as Australia, England, New Zealand? I know uh, Doris, uh, Dolores um, Cahill uh, is... Uh, doing some sterling work in the UK, uh, trying to bring the government to account. But what about other countries? Absolutely. Because what we are seeing now is 
the rule of law is going to be put to the test in all of these countries. In the same way that the lockdowns were rolled out from one country to the next to the next around the globe, we are hopeful that by bringing all levels of legal action that we will that the courts will be involved and they will take they will assume their role as arbiters of of the rule of law upholders of the rule of law and that we will see a corresponding wave of striking down of these mandates around the world and a wave of freedom a restoration of the freedoms but absolutely as i said we have the temporary restraining order pleadings on our website and i would encourage everyone to look at them because while the the legal process may be different from country to country the legal principles are the same and so we want to encourage doctors lawyers in countries around the world to bring these kinds of actions in their own country to go to the courts because it is time for all of the government actors and agents and agencies who have participated in this to be to respond in court that is that is the people's referee our courts and we will see how strong the rule of law holds up across the globe through these legal actions so it is it is incumbent on everyone in every country to take these matters before the courts we have to see how strong our justice is these people these governments these corporations these businessmen uh, the bureaucrats who have let millions upon millions of people die they must be held accountable because there are other alternatives that you don't have to lay on your deathbed and if they can squeeze you in fix you up when I mean, you have ivermectin with zinc or hydroxychloroquine with zinc Uh, no one has died from these drugs before. Uh, in fact, ivermectin won a Nobel Prize for being so good. So these people that have pushed the vaccine, I agree, must be held accountable because we don't know what's going to happen in two years, three years, five years. What's going to be passed down to our children or are we able to pass it down to our children? We don't know. It's still a trial. And for, the, you know, for these corporations and entities to, to just ensure that by any means possible that you get the vaccine is an absolute disgrace to humanity. Now, how do people find out more about the support you're providing? You've talked a lot about it. What's um, the website? So please go to americasfrontlinedoctors.org or AFLDS.org. And there you'll find a legal page in which we have a lot of resources pertaining to masks and the law, vaccines and the law. We have the temporary restraining order, the pleadings on our page. And we also have a lot of wealth of medical information as well for people, for people in, in, in America. They can reach out and, and be connected to a doctor so they can, um, receive some of these alternative treatments, have them on hand. I'm advised that they are useful and effective to have in the medicine cabinet at all times. Unfortunately, for people elsewhere in the globe, you have to deal with the, the situation in your own country. But the information is there. 
the legal information, the medical resources, it's all there. And we want people to to make it active and make it real. We want them to take it in their hands, get their friends, their neighbors, and go. Go to the school board meetings, go to a business, go to the city commission. Maybe some of them will get together and, and bring a lawsuit against their employer or a business or, or something. And, and perhaps there could be doctor lawyer alliances in all the different countries because we are we are working for we are standing for our health and our freedom the two fundamental parts of being humans and so we have to stand together work together to bring an end to this and to have some kind of return to a life that is worth living Pretty interesting uh, 18 months. We've had COVID. We've had uh, China get grumpy. We've had a really interesting um, election in the US. Uh, I can say it, actually. I can say it was uh, not a fair election or a correct mm-hmm. result. I can say that. Uh, we've had um, a lot of accusations at Russia. We've had lockdowns. Um, we've even had UFOs. And um, I mean, it's really interesting. I read a tweet the other day, which sums up the whole situation. Um, If they've come here to look for intelligent life, they've gone to the wrong place because it's not that intelligent at the moment, is it? Well, we hope the tide is changing in that regard and that people are waking up and that they are tired of the restrictions. They are tired of not being allowed to spend time with family members or friends, attend significant life events, travel, all of that. And and I may remind people that there is no vaccine passport required for travel at this time. And yet so many of the people were convinced to go and get one of the experimental vaccines for fear that it would be required and they didn't want to be cut off from future travel. Well, we're going to experience the effects of that coming up. And just take take your health back into your hands, back to your own physician. As you alluded to earlier, government cannot speak effectively to the individual health situation. It has to be on an individual basis between a, a patient and his or her doctor. And we have to do everything possible to ensure that we go that we return to that in um, just uh, you just brought up one thing and uh, by the way I, I do talk sometimes too much so i'll keep this fairly short uh, new zealand um they are bringing in the mandatory uh, vaccination and passport um, they mm. sent a, a a note to um their uh, medical profession doctors and dentists and so forth and said um, we understand you have your view but your view doesn't count that was one thing. And then we have in Australia, we have a, an election coming up and they're throwing around the idea of a national vaccine passport, which is supported, believe it or not, by about 80% of the population. And that is only supported because of the misinformation that they've heard. Yes. They've got the vaccine, so they think that you know, the great unwashed need to be washed and join the, join the herd to follow the leader off the cliff. So... The uh, mandatory vaccine passports, um, they're going to happen in some parts of the world and down under, which you know, we can see up. <laughs> so it's not a great looking sight at the moment. But 
we're going to get the passports. Let me, uh, let me, let me give you a wager of 10 cents to nothing that they will bring in the passport to Australia and there'll be many that won't do it and then we'll be pushed aside. As Adern, Prime Minister of New Zealand said, uh, those that don't get the vaccine will just be moved on. Another conversation, but very scary. Uh, Deanna DiPaoli, thank you very much for your time. It was a, a wonderful conversation. And let's have another conversation not too far down the track on progress and passports. Yes, thank you, Mike. Thank you for the work that you're doing for putting out information so people can evaluate independently for themselves and poke poke through the censorship. Thank you. Poke the bear of the nose. Uh, and make sure you got some good running shoes on too. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Joe Biden's tax plans have been fleshed out in his infrastructure bill. And one of the most interesting is the huge increase proposed for capital gains tax. Blake Christian from Holthouse, Carlin and Van Trite is concerned about the prospects for the full rate being imposed and the implications for the stock market and broader economy. Blake, great to catch up with you once again. Always great seeing you, Mike. Now, can you provide an update on Joe Biden's capital gains tax and when it will apply? Yeah, uh, thankfully, we have some guidance now. He, he has come out and drawn his line in the sand and said that it will apply to any, uh, any transactions occurring after April 28th of 2021. So... Uh, those lucky people that sold assets early in the year, unloaded some Bitcoin or properties, um, will will get the lower maximum 23.8% rate instead of a potential 43.4%. But it's important to note that Congress is going to have to approve both his rate request as well as the effective date. So um, there's still a lot of negotiations uh that'll be going on. Really impressed that uh, Joe Biden was in Tulsa. I mean, he's actually negotiated those stairs now, and that's always good news for for the president of the US that he actually knows how to climb stairs. And see, so you're making progress. Look, I I, I have respect for that, for the office of the presidency, and I, I prefer my president's standing up rather than on the ground. So uh, I, I, pray for him every day that he stays upright. There were some early doubts about the actual impact of the measure. Can you tell us what the view is now on its effect on investments, uh, the stock market and the economy? Yeah, so, you know, the the simple fact that the stock market's still at record highs tells you a lot. It it tell it tells you that that the public believes that Congress is not going to raise the rates that high. Um, otherwise, I think we would have seen a, you know, a precipitous fall in, the, in, in all the markets. Um, I, I have talked to a couple of Washington insiders over the last couple of weeks, and the, the, you know, the feedback from them is that you know, we'll, it'll probably settle in somewhere between 28 and 30 percent. And then you have to add on to that um, the the 2.9 percent um, uh, Obamacare tax uh, on net investment income. So uh, 
more more than likely, you know, it's it's going to just be single digit increases rather than almost a doubling, and we're we're hopeful of that. Can you tell us about the Opportunity Zone program? Uh, how large it is, and how the tax changes will now impact? Yeah, so I, you know, I I, um, I would prefer that they. You know the capital gain rates stay relatively low. Uh, I, I, re- I really feel that if if it did go up to forty three point four percent, and it's important to note that that would apply to people to married couples making more than a million dollars. It's not clear whether that's taxable income or adjusted gross income. So it's not it's not going to be everybody paying that that higher rate. But um, you know if if it did go through, um, you know, it, it's really going to, I mean, if I'm an investor and I'm looking at, you know, do I make an equity investment that's higher risk or do I make a, a debt investment? You know, the debt investment, I'm paying the same rate whether I get a guaranteed interest rate or if I'm swinging for the fences and hoping that my equity position increases in value, I'm going to take the sure thing. Mm. And, um you know, you're, 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 again, you're not going to get any bargain on the uh, on the equity piece. So right right now, you pay the maximum forty three point four percent if if you're in the high enough bracket um, on on interest income, dividend. Well, not dividend. Some some dividends you do, mm. and wages. So uh, everything would it'd be a level playing field, but it would be disastrous for trying to raise funds. It's just that simple. What's the uh, the major change then to the program under the uh, new administration? Uh, well, okay, yeah. So l- actually, let me let me go back because I didn't really answer your question. So so really, if if Biden got his way, you know, and tax rates went up on capital gain, long term capital gains to forty three point four, the Opportunity Zone program, which allows you to defer that tax until twenty twenty six. And if you make the proper investments and hold them for 10 years, tax-free after 10 years, that those funds will be oversubscribed. You know, the, everybody will run to those funds. I'm I'm getting you know 10 to 15 calls a week uh, to set up these opportunity zone funds. As it is, we've set up over you know 120 now, and um, that that will just you know, probably double or triple um, if if these tax rates go that high because people will park their money in there, make investments into land buildings, operating businesses, and then hopefully hold it for 10 years. But if they hold it to 2026 and we have a change in administration and the rates drop, you know, they're in great shape. They're, prob- they're certainly not going to go up any higher than than uh, 43.4 percent. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But uh, you know, on the on the one hand, since I specialize in opportunity zones, you know, high high tax rates will will you know double my workload, which I'm not looking forward to. But Joe, he wants you to work harder, and right. you have been. What you need is to have some um, some uh, libations close by just to uh, to encourage the brain cells to work overtime. <laughs> We're not. We're not going to let the audience know uh, our, our our pre our pre filming uh, discussion. But no, yes, I have it over here. The the, the, the sipping syndrome that's called. <laughs> we note G seven are moving towards the Biden suggestion of minimum corporate tax. Uh, 
what are some of the benefits to the Biden administration? It's really interesting. I mean, I never thought it would do a whole lot, but 140 countries have given it the big thumbs up. Yeah, you know, the, these types of meetings, um, th- there's a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes orchestration. And, you know, what they, what they come out in their press releases saying and what happens in reality, if you compare those, there's very little correlation. And so, yeah, you, you might have a press release go out and say, hey, you know, everybody's kumbaya and they, they love Biden's universal tax plan. So regardless of where you're operating, we're going to have the same tax rate. It isn't going to happen. You know, I always, and I've mentioned on this program before, it's, it's like OPEC. It, you know, all you, all you need is one, you know, one, one OPEC member that says, hey, you know, we're having some financial issues over here uh, in our country, and we need to increase production because we need a little more oil revenue, and they do it. You know, they, there's always some outlying, um, you know, player in these situations that says, oh, you know, I know I agreed to that, but I'm going to I'm going to go my own way because we, we've got some really, you know, unusual situations going on in our country. I'm just telling you, you know, we're not we're not going to have this one world tax rate and there will continue to be incentives to manufacture or have operations in one country over another guaranteed is one of the benefits inverted commas benefits to participating countries that of ensuring big tech companies actually pay much higher taxes than they are presently what other kinds of companies will pay more tax well you know i think yeah it's easier for the you know the the ip companies the tech companies to to move you know it's the shell game moving their their intellectual property from you know a, a tax haven country um, it, it's just it happens in the United States you know we have 50 different states they all have different tax systems some zero some you know 13.3 California by the way um, and so you know pe- people are going to businesses are smart and tax attorneys and CPAs are, are relatively bright. They figure out ways to um, to work around the system. And so that, that's going to forever be the, the, the game. I mean, I, I've been doing this for 40 years, and there's always people that figure out a way to game the system. And so they're, 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 they're going to they're gonna find ways to, to, to change this. Now, your, your original question, it's much harder for companies that have a lot of, that are capital intensive. So, you know, steel manufacturing plant, uh, you know, uh, pharmaceutical companies, those types of things. It's a little harder uh, for them maybe to uh, just, you know, blow up a two, $2 billion manufacturing plant and move it somewhere else. But service businesses, IT, um, you know, very light on their feet. They can move around. Interesting, um, all these wishes that uh, Joe Biden, uh, domestically at least, needs to do is to get support from Congress 
Um, you think that will ever happen? Uh, you know, I, you know, we have this 50-50 split, but the tiebreaker goes to the Democrats. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're in the power seat right now, but you know, it's it's also you know what what is the what does the public want? What does Wall Street want? Um, I don't think Wall Street, even though they you know helped put uh, put Biden in office, you know they 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 don't want forty three point four percent tax rates. So I, I I seriously do not think it's going to be that high. I think it'll settle in, you know, the high twenties, low thirties, and you know it'll. You know, it'll be a big yawn. You know, it's really not going to change things that much, and it's not going to generate you know all that much all that much income. If they really, as I've said before, you know, if they really want to, Congress really wants to, and the president wants to make to generate a bunch of income instead of going after the top one percent, do do a gross receipts tax, do a value added tax system, and you know, and and you're going to have to put some exemptions in there for the the lower income people, but you know, if you if you want to want to just pop income really fast, a broad based low percentage tax, you know, one one percent, trillions of dollars. Um, but you know, to go after the one percent, it's you can't you can generate some short term money, but it, it's it's limited. One wonders um, at the end of. Um Biden's first term if he hangs in there. Uh, but one wonders, though, uh, what he would have achieved. Um, is it more divide and conquer than, uh, than bringing America together? You know, will only, time will only tell. And um, uh, a couple more years to go of uh, nail biting. But uh, at the moment, uh, instead of them on about the filibuster, maybe it's the Biden's bluster that was the, uh, was the major concern. Did you like that, Blake? Yeah, that, uh, I think that's accurate. You know, and it's sad because I, I think I think Biden at his core is a is a reasonable guy, but you know the strings are being pulled by by people that he's terrified of. Yeah, it's you know the far, the far left are are clearly calling the shots. I, I, you know, I, I don't think what we're seeing coming out of his administration is reflective of of the kind of guy he is. I think he's much more moderate. Uh, but he's um, he's taking much much far, far left positions than I ever expected him to take. I saw some old videos of uh, Joe Biden. I've got to say he was he w- would be one of the guys at a bar. If you go anywhere, he was. I was just very impressed, and it's very sad to see what's happening at the moment because it's funny what time does to you. Except for us, Blake, we're in constant denial. Um, if somebody wants to find out more about Blake Christian and what you can do, uh, opportunity zones or just general text, how do they do that? Right, so our, our website is uh, hcbt.com and, uh, or you can Google Blake Christian CPA and you'll get all my contact information, articles and videos. Now, just before we wind it up, we normally have our little uh, Joe Biden score, but this time we're going to bypass that because... Only happened a week or two ago. Um, you can do our wine review, and which wine are we sipping on tonight? Uh, you know, it's it's a um, it's a, a, a nap. Let's see, I'm trying to remember. 
I, th- I think it's an or- it's an Oregon Pinot. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it was a Napa, but it's an Oregon Pinot. Or- Oregon makes tremendously good Pinots. Out of ten, Pinot, Pinot Noir, yeah. just you know, and out of ten, specific. we uh, we have to give it the Blake Ometer. Uh, rating? I, I would, I would, I would give this a, a good eight. Um, and uh, ne- next time we'll have to talk about rum. I, I, I have uh, an investment in a Hawaiian rum company that uh, uses uh, three thousand year old sugarcane. So, um, wow. uh, but I just got a report from them, and uh, they're doing quite well. Wow, that's fantastic! Um, don't forget, you know my address. We're always willing to uh, have a virtual sip from this end. Uh, Blake Christian, thank you very much. Thank you. Always good to see you. And that's it for Asia Pacific Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mike Ryan.